Since Russia launched its absurd assault on Ukraine in February 2022, there has been a certain anxiety at large among Ukraine's allies about the degree to which they can or should help. The first supplies of military aid after Russia attacked were relative fireworks like handheld anti-tank weapons and portable surface-to-air missiles. Since then, the range of what is permissible has incrementally expanded. Air defense missile systems, armored fighting vehicles, long-range missiles, main battle tanks, and soon enough, if not as soon as Ukraine would prefer, F-16 fighter jets. Though there has been angst and argument about all of these steps, Ukraine's allies have generally taken them together. That has changed this week with the United States announcement that a new $800 million military aid package for Ukraine will include cluster munitions. Russia has been using cluster munitions since the start of this war to attack Ukraine. In this environment, Ukraine has been requesting cluster munitions in order to defend its own sovereign territory. This has become a talking point at the NATO summit in Vilnius, where this explainer is being recorded. Not everyone is happy about sending cluster munitions to Ukraine, and some have said so with varying degrees of vehemence. From UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's phoned-in bare minimum, the UK is signatory to a convention which prohibits the production or use of cluster munitions and discourages their use, to Spanish Defence Minister Margarita Robles' full-blown no passaran, no to cluster bombs and yes to the legitimate defence of Ukraine, which we understand should not be carried out with cluster bombs. At which point, a definition of terms is probably in order. Even for those for whom this was a previously unfamiliar concept, cluster munitions, or cluster bombs, are broadly what the name has led you to imagine they are. A single shell fired from surface or air contains many more smaller shells, which are released as the projectile approaches its target. A single US-made M26 227mm rocket, for example, might be loaded with 644 roughly hand-grenade-sized sub-munitions, which can be scattered across a target area maybe 200 metres in diameter. Not for nothing are cluster munitions endowed with the grim nickname Steel Rain. The problem with cluster munitions, and this sounds like a counterintuitive proposition, is that not all of them detonate on impact. Even optimistic assessments have it that 2-5% to are duds, while more sober estimates posted by those who have had to clean them up suggest a failure rate of anything of up to 40%. The unexploded munitions, whose precise trajectories are near impossible to map, lie where they fall, waiting for some hapless passerby to tread on them, some unwitting farmer to ride their tractor over them, some child to wonder what this shiny metallic toy is, and pick it up. The threat remains as long as the bomblet does. It is more than 50 years since any such shell was fired in or at Laos, for example. Since then, cluster munitions have killed or injured more than 20,000 people, and some expect the task of clearing this Vietnam War-era detritus to consume another century at least. 
When I was 12, I was playing outside when I suddenly saw a bommy on the ground. I thought it looked like a ball and would be fun to play with. I didn't know it could explode. My two friends and I started throwing it back and forth. One of my friends was killed and the two of us were injured. Between the lingering threat to life and the obvious hampering of post-war economic development, you cannot farm or build on what is effectively a minefield, an understandable consensus has developed that cluster munitions are impractical and uncivilised and that they should be illegal. This is what Rishi Sunak was emphasising, if somewhat diffidently. The UK is among 123 states which have signed the 2010 Convention on Cluster Munitions, which does not mess about. It absolutely forbids the deployment, production, transfer or possession of cluster munitions. The UK is signatory to a convention which prohibits the production or use of cluster munitions and discourages their use. We will continue to do our part to support Ukraine against Russia's illegal and unprovoked invasion. We've done that by providing heavy battle tanks and most recently long-range weapons, you know, and hopefully all countries can continue to support Ukraine. Significantly, however, among the countries which have not signed the Convention on Cluster Munitions are the United States, Ukraine and Russia. Both Ukraine and Russia indeed have already used cluster munitions during the current conflict. The United States deployed them in Iraq and Afghanistan, though has not manufactured any new cluster munitions since 2008. No laws are broken, no treaties broached by the US sending its stockpile to Ukraine. Poland and Romania, the likeliest conduits, are not signatories to the convention either. There is a difference between allies, because some allies have signed the convention on cluster munitions, and they don't have a cluster munitions, so of course there is no uh, cluster munitions to provide to Ukraine. Which leaves the question of why Ukraine wants cluster munitions, to which the answer is the obvious one. If you set aside the long-term concerns and focus on the short-term benefits, cluster munitions work. The morbid mathematical analysis of their use by US forces during the Vietnam War, for example, determined that cluster munitions, when measured against standard projectiles, were eight times as effective in causing enemy human casualties, perhaps 60 times as effective against vehicles. Ukraine is also already resigned to a massive post-war demining operation that would be the work of decades, even if Russia withdrew behind its own borders tomorrow. And Ukraine is running low on ammunition, and as a result, so is the United States, which has already provided Ukraine with more than 2,155mm artillery shells. Even a currently planned doubling of American production will only replenish that inventory by 24,000 rounds per month. Countries at war, especially countries fighting for their own survival, make tough, unpleasant decisions without necessarily having the luxury to consider all possible consequences or the full spectrum of moral niceties. As has been the case since this war began, Russia could render all such considerations redundant any time it likes by packing up and going home. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.